Hello, and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. It's mid-April of 1945. The King is closing on his 22nd birthday later in the month, and he's basking in the reflected good times of his recent romantic adventures. He's thinking, of course, about his new friend from Paris, a woman he spent much of the week with when he was on the French Riviera. And now he's excited about his new friend from New Orleans, a nurse named Elaine Miller, who he met on an unexpected arrival in Koblenz, Germany, when he and his guys had to make an emergency landing due to a mechanical failure in the plane. This emergency delivered them to a part of Germany now controlled by the United States Army and near a very busy field hospital filled with American physicians and nurses. This mission meant that our hero, the king, was about to begin another amorous adventure in his spring. Stanley continued to share the good news with his family as he wrote to them on April 12, 1945. Dearest ones, unfortunately, there was no mail tonight, but last night I was rewarded with one of your sweet letters. It is the one you wrote on Easter Sunday. You sounded so lonesome. I just wish you didn't have to be alone so often. But don't weaken now. The dark and bitter is almost behind us, and only bright and glorious days lie ahead. We've so much to be thankful for, dears. Our armies are forging ahead steadily, and the enemy is practically ours. So, let's show our thanks with chins high and bright smiles, and before you realize it, all the boys will be returning to a life of peace and happiness that was theirs before all this mess began. The king, true to form, buries the lead in this letter where he describes that last Saturday our squadron bombardier went to the Riviera, and as the next ranking man, I had to take over his job. My official title is acting squadron bombardier, and I've definitely been taking terrific razzing from the fellows. As you could have guest, I've become known for my laziness. You see, I haven't changed in that respect. Well, instead of sleeping all day, as I have been doing, since taking over the position, I've had to be at squadron operations every day from eight to five. So the guys have taken great pleasure in seeing me rise at such an early hour. Believe me, it's been murder to go without my late morning sleep. I don't have much to do at operations, only I have to be there in case something comes up to require my attention. Too bad it isn't permanent, though, because it calls for a captaincy, and captain bars would look swell on my blouse. 
Tomorrow morning, I'm flying back to Koblenz. The group is in the process of forming an officer's club, so a plane is going after champagne. Since we brought back a load when we had to land there before, and since I know where to get it, they are sending me after it. We'll just be gone for the day, since our dance is tomorrow night, but I'll get to see Elaine again. What a life. The king continues to dream of home by writing that he could go for some of Ida's home cooking myself. All I think about is a Sunday breakfast with the whole family around the table. That's why I hope to get home on a Saturday night, so my first meal will be Sunday. Breakfast would be wonderful. Gee, what a heartwarming thought that is. Please, God, let it be soon. I was shocked to learn of Helen Phillips' engagement to Jimmy Levy. I always thought of her being such a baby. He is quite a bit older, isn't he? Be sure to write me all the details. I'm curious. And at this rate, everyone is marrying. I'll have to find myself a 14-year-old and wait until she grows up. I must close for now and say good night. Please keep well. I love you and miss you. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley dreams about Ida May's home cooking because he was raised on her love and skills in the kitchen. He grew up in the very segregated South. Birmingham, Alabama was considered by many Americans throughout the country as the center of Southern segregation. But the king's writing about Ida May went beyond any sense of segregation for me. I, of course, as his son, knew him as a mature man while we were growing up in Illinois. And Dad never had a harsh word to say about anyone to us. He was remarkable in his treatment of everyone so fairly. And yes, when we were small, Ida Mae was still alive, and we had the chance to hug her and have biscuits in Birmingham. The king continued his spirited writing on April 14, 1945. Dearest ones, I went to Koblenz as I wrote you, but didn't accomplish our purpose We weren't able to receive transportation to haul the stuff. Nonetheless, I saw Elaine, and that was good enough for me. You have no idea what a treat it is to talk with and enjoy the company of an American girl. I only wish we were situated in such a position that we could see each other often. It surely would help to liven things up. We had a dance the other night, and it turned out to be much nicer than the previous one. Everyone had a swell time. There were the usual drunks, but the majority were just feeling good. I had a little French girl who wasn't too bad to look at and a very good dancer. Needless to say, the shock we all received from the death of President Roosevelt. God knows the United States couldn't have been dealt a greater blow during this crisis. The time where the nation needs his guidance most of all. In my opinion, 
He was the greatest man that ever lived, and his death touched me deeply, and I'm sure it did to all. May God help us now. I haven't much confidence in the present leader. I'm finding it difficult to write tonight. It must be because I'm tired. All day down at the operations seems to be wearing me out. I'm not used to holding an office job. I'll try to do better in my next letter. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley's writing about Elaine Miller of New Orleans made me think over the years of following his war and reading him that Elaine perhaps was as close as the king felt to being at home with a young woman in the world. And the fact that she was from New Orleans made it seem like a better idea that perhaps, yes, they might marry. It isn't clear, of course, as with all the women the king knew, that Elaine would pass inspection with Sarah Bell. And Stanley's reflections on FDR and his greatness as a leader in America's difficult and dark days were amazing and important as I followed this young man in his war and the years that were to follow. The Silver King returns to his explanatory role in his writing to his parents throughout the war in a letter dated April 16th. 1945. Dearest ones, this was a swell day for I received five wonderful letters from you. One is dated March 2-5 and the others are in rotation, 4-5-6 and 7 of April. I feel sort of guilty with so many at one time because in a couple of them you complained of not hearing from me. It's true, I haven't written often of late and I am sorry. Please believe me, it hasn't been because I haven't thought of you, for you're on my mind constantly. I guess the real reason is that I've become awfully lazy. Now that summer is here and the days are so long, I can't seem to get myself away from daydreaming. I found that it is a most pleasant part-time. And two, my job has kept me busy all day, and at night I seem to be too tired to write a sensible letter. However, the real squadron bombardier is back now, so I'll have more time to myself. Thus, I promise to write as regularly as before. Stanley continues as the family instructor with, That was an interesting clipping about the night boys, how I envy them. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be home again. You asked why I have to fly 65 missions while others fly less. Well, it's different because of the different types of planes. The heavies, such as a B-17, fly 35, while the mediums, as a B-26, fly 65. When I get home, I'll be able to explain more fully. In the meantime, don't let your optimism run away from you. I'm not anywhere near finishing my tour. 
In fact, only if the war ended now would I be home anytime soon. So just be patient a while longer. As for asking for a furlough, I had to smile after you suggested that. You must remember that there is a fight to be won over here, so it isn't quite as easy as that. To be truthful, it's absolutely out of the question. You evidently misunderstood, Mr. Knight. You see, a man automatically goes home after finishing a tour without asking. That's why his son is home. 35 missions is considered a tour in the heavies. I hope this is all clear to you. Well, I'm just about out of stationery again, so please send me another box with food. The shrimp and chicken sound delicious. I haven't received the boxes you mentioned, nor the one with all the cheese, but I'm looking forward to them all. You seem to be the only one writing me. I haven't heard from anyone else in a long time. That's why I appreciate the news of Leona and her family. I'm glad they are all well. When do you plan to go up again? Too bad we all couldn't be there for her birthday. There doesn't seem to be any more news for now. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Please keep well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The king wrote nine letters in April, many of them long and descriptive. And much of the news, of course, wasn't about the war in his work, although occasionally he would slip that news in. It was more about socializing and springtime in Europe. He was able to play some baseball, and they found a nearby river and went swimming, which he really enjoyed. And as the king's birthday approached, he mentions his sister Leona's birthday, which was on the 19th of April, just four days ahead of the king. They were close as siblings. She was older and, of course, knew more of the world, had moved away from home first, had gone to Northwestern, just outside Chicago in Evanston, which is where she met her husband, Lee Bernstein. Stanley missed Leona. He missed the news about their children, Richie and Margie, and was excited in thinking about what would be ahead when he made it home from the war to resume life as a part of a growing family. But before then, there was a war to win. And he wrote to them that he and his buds were talking more about how much they missed good food. And wouldn't it be nice if there had been a delicatessen store nearby, A72, where they could wander in and buy some cheese with some kosher dill pickles and a bottle of beer. The king is happy because the news is all good, but he's still thinking about those kosher dill pickles and wants to know if his family can send some along with some more stationery. As he writes to his family on April 20th, 1945, Dearest ones, it was truly great receiving your letter tonight, even if it was a little older than the previous ones, March 30th. Some come fast and some slow, but each is so very welcome. I do so enjoy reading about the house and the changes you've made. 
I'm sorry you couldn't get a good yard man, as I know how you pride yourselves in the appearance of it. Nonetheless, I know it must look nice, especially with the shrubbery and climbing roses. Thanks for the new drapes and rug in my room. Gee, but it must look good. I wish I could have a picture of you sitting in my chair. Better still, I wish I could be there to see you. Remember when I would be home on furlough, and you would come in to talk before going to bed? I guess it's these things I miss most, as I always think about them. Just keep the door open, and someday soon we'll be able to repeat them. I've flown a mission since my last letter now have only 27 to go. My pilot has finished his missions, so will be going home any day now. He also received his captaincy, of which I was very pleased to see. I'll really hate to see him go, as he's one of the finest fellows I've ever met, and the perfect roommate. The operations officer is going home also. I'll be the only one remaining out of our original room. It will seem strange without them. I'll sort of feel lost. I'm really an old man in the squadron now. My new pilot is also a swell fellow, named Howard from Baltimore. He's been here about as long as I, and a first lieutenant. We'll still be leading flights, so I'll continue receiving the one-quarter credit. In the end, that amounts to quite a few missions— Already I have four full missions resulting from the credits. We played ball again last evening, but haven't been swimming again. If the sun is warm tomorrow, we might get the chance. I slept this afternoon as I was a little tired. This evening we were to play ball, but couldn't get enough guys. Our officers' club opened tonight with plenty to drink. I was going over, but changed my mind to write letters and I don't feel much like drinking. Must close now, as I have more letters to write. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. As the king approaches 22, he's dreaming wistfully of home and sharing his thoughts about what it was like to visit and what he hopes it will be upon his return. April has been a very full month for the king. He's continuing to work, and of course he's done a lot of socializing, and he and his guys know that the end of the war in Europe is near. He's reflecting on the guys he served with and those who have lived and are going home, and he will miss them, of course. But he has a new pilot from Baltimore, a man named Howard. And of course, the irony in part of that exchange is that Howard is from the city where the B-26 was made. Glenn Martin built and made his fortune east of Baltimore in Middle River, Maryland, which is where he built the most famous plane he made, the B-26, the Martin Marauder. And now as April ends, and the king is 22. He writes a letter from Holland on April 29, 1945. Dearest ones, for the past week, 
we've been in the process of moving, and it presents such a state of turmoil, writing is next to impossible. Even now, though we are practically settled, that is, as much as possible, it's hard to concentrate. But that is mostly because of all the noise the guys are making. We moved up in the plains, which made it fast and as simple as possible. But upon arriving, the trouble began. We didn't find barracks here, as there were at the last field. Thus, that presented the problem of finding and making living sites. In this respect, I was more fortunate than the others. Four of us luckily found a small wooden shack, which gives us a luxurious quarters in comparison to the others. There were only two shacks to be had in our area. The squadron commander took one, and we took the other. That left the remainder of the squadron to live in tents. That's why I say there is no comparison. We're living like kings. After settling in, the king is able to concentrate on his writing as he relates that since being here, we've had one mail call, and it was a good one, thank goodness. I got five letters from you with a birthday card, two from Leona, and a birthday card from Sylvia. It's wonderful receiving so much news at once. I know you're having a good time in Chicago with the kids. I don't know how long you will be there, but I hope you'll be there long enough to receive this. I'm anxious to hear how you celebrated the birthdays, how I wish I could have been there. No, I never did write Abe a letter of condolence. I simply couldn't get myself down to it. I'm sorry. Now for a request. Please send some food. I would like some shrimp and some of the Melba toast. From now on, you'll see plenty of requests from me. Oh, yes, please send more stationery with stamps. I'll try to write more often, though I won't promise. I'm fine in thinking of you constantly, my love to the kids and everyone. I love you and miss you, Stan. So our Silver King, now 22, has downshifted to different quarters. He's living in Holland in a shack. The weather is terrible. There's been one mail call, and he definitely needs some new provisions. Of course, the king can't explain why they moved, and he may not know. But he will make the most of it. And now that he's 22 and a veteran, he's taking things more in stride. And of course, as the end of the war draws near, he's feeling better as an officer in the Air Corps. And while Stanley has had a very busy April, coming off the press in Birmingham from the Temple Emanuel Serviceman for the March-April 1945 edition, is a front page with the headline, Lieutenant Silverfield Wins Air Medal Cluster, also promotion. And it has a picture. The text reads, Lead Bombardier of a Six-Ship Flight, Lieutenant Stanley L. Silverfield, 
has been decorated twice and promoted in rank during the past six weeks. Raised in rank from second to first lieutenant, he has also been awarded the Air Medal and Oak Leaf Cluster. When we last heard from Stanley, he had completed 36 missions from an air base somewhere in France. Lieutenant Silverfield, who is a bombardier navigator, entered the service in January 1943 and went overseas in September 1944. He has seen active combat ever since leaving the country. In letters to his parents, Stanley has been fulsome in his praise of the Red Cross. He says the workers are like angels from heaven, and no one in the States can possibly imagine all the good they do. Lieutenant Silverfield and Technical Sergeant Arthur Phillips, Jr., met by chance in a village in France. It was the first time in three years the two Emmanuelites had seen each other. They had tried to contact each other as they knew they had the same APO number, but had never been able to get together. The reunion resulted in a good old-fashioned Birmingham Bowl session. In his most recent letter, Stanley says he is working harder than ever, but that his morale is higher than ever, as things really look good over there. And as our hero, the Silver King, became front-page news in the Temple Emmanuel newsletter, we have reached the end of this episode of the epilogue in Dearest Once, the letters that our hero wrote to his family throughout the war, and this is part 33. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs>